0: Hey, this is Dave Fryer. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Now I'm totally nervous about saying your name and mess it up, messing it up. Jesse, Jesse Starenchoose Starr- is here. I got it right. <laughs> Yay! Screw you, customs guy. Okay. <laughs> so Jesse, thank you for being here today. I have a lot of things to ask you about. You're fresh back from America's hat.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> and what were you doing up north?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, besides trying on hats, um, I was speaking at star Canada, um, which is an agile and agile testing conference and gave a brand new keynote called, um, conscious curiosity is the key to leadership and innovation.
0: Okay. And so what's the, what's the focus of this?
1: So it is about how we somehow along the way in our lives, we lose our sense of curiosity, but what an important trait it is as leaders and as innovators and how can we get it back. And we talk about why why we lose it and where we lose it and all the different solutions and different games and ideas we can use to kind of put it back in our brains and back into our daily lives and work practices.
0: And I'm assuming there's parallels between losing like the ability to ask questions and losing the permission to play, right?
1: exactly
0: see that I'm learning so well (laughs) (laughs) so I have a question about it though I feel like a lot of um, a lot of people in leadership positions believe that they're curious but what they seem to be curious about is confirming their own gut opinions or biases Mm, I'm assuming you're talking about something different
1: yeah so I'm talking about first of all The different types of curiosity. So it turns out like there's three different types of curiosity Um, There's a type that's Really just focused on people which is called empathic curiosity curiosity where you dig into like Why people do what they do and what why they um, Act or think the way they're thinking and then there's like a surface level curiosity and then, which is like diversive, and then there's epistemic curiosity, which is when you like dive deep into a subject um and really like nerd out about something
0: so the service would uh, surface would be like, what route did you take to get here
1: yeah or like What's your I major? compare it, exactly, or like I compare it to like when you're trying to go to bed but you're on Instagram for way too long, and you're like, oh man, it's like two hours later than I thought because you're like, ooh pretty, that's like a really <laughs> picture somebody took and you're like that's a hilarious cat video and yeah yeah, that's like that (laughs) surface level curiosity that
0: so that and that doesn't really enrich anyone's life or make not really no okay not really what if you're up till like two or three in the morning watching ted videos on your phone
1: yeah so i mean it's okay i mean it's it's like piquing a certain level of curiosity, but then if you wanted to dive deep into one of those subjects in a, a TED Talk, then maybe you would go further into a different type of curiosity, which is like your more epistemic curiosity where you're like, oh, I'm really into this idea and tomorrow I'm going to start researching about it and might learn about it for like a month or two, you know? Okay. Yeah.
0: So that third one is the one where we're actually learn. Well, I guess you're learning during the empathic one too, right?
1: Yes. And so the empathic is about people. It's all about like, you know, stepping in somebody else's shoes and seeing what their world is like and why.
0: And are there different ways that we behave when we're, I mean, like, I, I would think, I'm just going to let my brain unspool for a second. If I'm doing yeah. research to learn about a topic, I am mm-hmm. collecting pieces mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to find all these things just chasing my interest wherever it goes mm-hmm. if i am watching people and trying to understand what's going on with them there's something else that's happening in my brain where i'm trying to put myself in their sho- shoes i'm trying to like uh, understand or, or i guess like tag behaviors and understand them through mm-hmm. whatever filters i have so there's mm-hmm. uh more processing going on maybe
1: mm-hmm. yeah and that's it's like if you think more about like understanding your customer or like UX um, when you're thinking about like what their behaviors or why are they doing... Motivations Exactly. And really digging in deep. So not on a shallow level, but what is their actual world like? Why do they make those choices? Those types of things. Okay. Yeah.
0: And so if I'm really trying to... let Just to tie it back to Agile for a second. If mm-hmm. I am going into an organization and trying to, to foster change in that organization. Mm-hmm. There's got to be all three levels, right? The, the, That's the, right. the surface level to get the kind of prime the conversation, mm-hmm. but watching, the, doing the empathic curiosity to understand how people are responding to this stuff and also digging deeper on learning the organization's culture, practices, all that stuff
1: right and and really, most of all, understanding what's in it for them to want to change right why, why should they care? like if they're being rewarded for the way they've done it all along, yeah, then why would they have any interest in changing? so I think the more you can understand their why um, and have that empathic curiosity the easier it will be to lead them in a new direction
0: okay this is very cool and also just so i because i have a chance to say it's an exact tie back to the art of war by sun tzu it's once again proves that is the only book anyone ever needs to read
1: perfect
0: there we go you can dominate the universe
1: dominate
0: All right. And it also, but this also ties to the the reason that I reached out to you. And the reason we're doing the or we're originally doing the podcast was um I got an email from somebody who was looking for some kind of, I don't know, promotion or whatever, but they they mentioned in the email that they spent time helping people learn how to create stories and tell stories and use humor and understand what's going on in the room when they're telling stories and how to respond to stuff. And that got me thinking. About the work that you do with improv, and mm-hmm. I was wondering if there are aspects of improv, or or other things that kind of go along with it, that you teach people to help them understand. I mean, obviously, how to tell stories, but mm-hmm. how do you know when the story is not hitting? When you need to take a different approach, you know? How do you teach people to read the audience?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is. Understanding who's going to be there in the first place. So, I think backing it up to kind of a real world situation. Um, So, when you're thinking about when you're going to, let's say, give a presentation or be in a meeting, the way that improv helps prepare you for that is think about who is going to be in the room first and how to be audience centric. So that's the first thing to think about. Um, And so, so that you can be prepared for the unprepared moments you want to, you want to be prepared first, if that makes sense. So in order to improvise, when you get there, you have to do your homework first. So the first thing to do is say like, okay, well the people in the room are going to be, the stakeholders and they speak, you know, this type of language. And so I need to make sure that the story I'm telling or the pitch I'm giving, um, that I speak their language, not mine. Meaning I don't go like deep into the weeds when they could care less, you know? Um, and so that's, that's the first thing to do. Like before you even consider reading the room, when you get there, you first need to do your homework Does that make
0: sense? It does. I want to just point out one thing there, because there's something you said I think that's really significant. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of what you said is significant, but (laughs) one thing in particular that stuck out for me was a lot of people walk into a situation like that and they try to dazzle people with language or fancy words and they like Mm -hmm. to talk about algorithms and machine learning and maybe they don't even know what that or an MVP actually is. Mm -hmm. But they think if they use these words – that that will somehow impress the people there and get them to trust them. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to cause trust.
1: Exactly. So the best thing you can do is to, again, like, who are these people? What do they care about? And what language do they speak? And so as you're preparing for giving a presentation or speaking at a meeting, Make sure that you understand those things. And then the second thing I always tell people to think about is, you know, what do you want them to say, do, and feel after they hear you speak? Okay. So, so like, what impact do you want to make? And I think those have to be really clear to you before you ever enter, like, enter the scene, if you will, or enter the room, or enter the call. You know, and if you've done that kind of homework, it opens you up to actually be able to improvise really well instead of being in your head when you're in the situation. Okay. Uh, And so I think that's where
0: you start. So you just did this big keynote. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I'm really curious about how you would do that ahead of time. I would, I mean, I guess in my head, I've always thought that when people do that kind of stuff, you have your normal kind of bits that you do. Mm -hmm. However, you, you try to make yourself reachable for the audience. Like I always figure I'm trying to meet them where they are by putting myself where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have a certain way. I don't, I think I might be like a one trick pony there. how, How do you, (laughs) How how did you prepare yourself? And like, what was the outcome you were looking for? What did you want them to say? And how did you meet them where they were?
1: Well, the first thing you do is you find out, like for this conference, you want to ask the organizer, who are the typical people that come to the conference? And what are they trying to get out of being there? You know, why why are they coming in the first place? You know, Um, what are some talks that they've loved in the past? You know, what are some of the speakers that have been there in the past, you know, that have done really well? Um, that would be one way. If you're thinking of doing a conference talk, right. Like a meeting or something. Um, and then, you know, one, one thing I always want is for me is like, I always have interactive pieces of my talk. Um, and so I have underlying things that I want to have happen, which is, I want people to connect with each other during the talk and walk away, like having connected to somebody they might not have known before so that there's somebody now that they can walk around with and feel comfortable that they didn't know before. Like that's a big deal to me because I like creating community no matter what I do. So that's a, that's one part of the impact I like to make when I give a talk. Okay. Um, And so um, that's, that was one of the underlying things. And then I want people to feel comfortable to come up to me afterwards and talk. I don't want them to think like, just cause I'm up on stage, like there's a wall between us and they can't approach me or something like that. I, I want them to know I'm approachable as anybody else, you know? Okay. Um, and that's a big deal too, um, that they feel comfortable talking to me, Okay. Um, so there's those types of things that I want to make sure I give off with um, my content and my body language that says, uh, you know, I invite you to come talk to me afterwards without actually saying that, those okay. words.
0: Yeah. Wow. I think what you said about connecting to somebody and having that extend beyond the talk, that is is a kind of rang a bell for me too, because I, I know all these people that t- that teach. Mm-hmm. Study Sharon Bowman and, and training from the back of the room, and they really mm-hmm. want to establish connections. But a lot of times, when I'm looking at people's stuff, it feels like those are connections are in place because they were told there was supposed to be a connection exercise. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if those connections it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's an intention for the connection to persist. It's just like a momentary transaction. But if you're talking about like I want you to have a friend when you leave here, that's a yeah. very different thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really important to me. Cause one of the things I noticed early on, especially at like tech conferences or gigantic agile conferences is you go to these things and you're in these rooms with so many people and, um, and you might be sitting by like the absolute best person in the world, but you never talk to them. And yeah. I thought, what a, what a waste, you know, like how sad that like this could be the person that you've needed to help you solve a problem or a like-minded friend or somebody who has a really interesting perspective that you've never heard and you you just never said hello, you know? And so, um, if what I like to do is help people connect, like I'm going to try and help that (laughs) situation be better, you know? And, and,
0: I'm just I'm thinking about the fact that when I'm in those situations I am definitely one of those people who could be sitting right next to like the person I've been searching for for 10 years and I would never yeah. talk to him because I'm so like guarded and just like there's so many people and I'm like I need to not be around this many people.
1: Well, it's intimidating. Um, it's extremely intimidating and it's just some people just want to curl up in a ball. <laughs>
0: that's, that's me. I mean, yeah. I, just, I want to go in the corner and curl yeah. up in a ball. And then there's those people like, you can't sit against the wall. I'm like, you know what? Screw you. <laughs>
1: yeah. You're like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So that, those are the kind of my underlying um, outcomes that I want. Okay. And so then once, um, once I've done that homework, Then I'm able to free up my brain so that when I'm in the moment, I can pay attention to body language and the signals people are sending me because I'm not in my head going, what's my next slide? Like, What was I supposed to say next?
0: Okay. So you have Um, mapped out what you're going to say and then it's you along the way picking and choosing, I'm going to do this bit. I'm going to say this this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay which is pretty intense as well because you're processing all the stuff that you're seeing and staying a few sentences ahead of yourself, making choices the whole way through.
1: Yeah. And it's, for me, it's not sentences so much as it's themes and transitions. So I don't, I don't ever memorize a script. I memorize a concept or a theme. So it's like, I see a slide, I have like a visual on the slide I'm like, okay, this slide is about this core message, or this slide is about this theme. And in order for me to go from this slide to this slide, I need to transition in this way. But I don't necessarily say the same thing twice from one talk to another necessarily. There might be a couple things like where I might read a quote off a slide or something like that. Okay. Yes, then I would say the same thing twice, but if I'm telling a story on that slide, the story has the same core message, but I may say it differently every single time. As long as I hit the core points, it's fine, right? Okay,
0: and so you're trying to use the language of the people in the audience that's, speak to them in their own way.
1: That's right. And so what that does is um, it allows me to be in the moment, right? So if you know, somebody shouts out something or things take a turn, you can handle it. Um, I can handle it because I'm not using a script at all.
0: Um, I just, How much of that is confidence, though, from just having been in like 500 fights? <laughs> it's like, you know, that scene, for, I don't know if you've seen the movie Knock Guys, but the, it's for the Vin Diesel says 500 fights is when you can consider yourself a tough guy.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, so I have been doing improv most of my life, so that does definitely help. But I think, you know, just starting to practice these things, like doing little exercises here and there to be able to just train the muscle to think on the spot. So, or train the muscle to be present, right? To to learn to see the signals that other people are sending so that you can respond um, is really, really important. And there's lots of exercises you can do to learn how to, you know, read the room or listen with your eyes and your ears. Um, and can you give me
0: an example of one?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's one um, that's training you um, to, to listen to two people at once. So it's a the listening, <laughs> listening exercise.
0: I can't, I totally cannot do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's fun and it's, it's hilarious because it's like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. But what you do is you have, um, you have one person sitting in a chair and they are just the designated listener. And then you have, um, two storytellers on either side of them and you give them a topic like, um, you know, your worst vacation story or something. And then you count to three and they both tell the listener their worst vacation story at the same time. Oh, and, wow. and they're vying for the listener's attention. Yeah. So they want the listener to remember their story more than the other person's. So,
0: okay.
1: so um, the poor listener has to try to remember as much as they can of both stories and the two storytellers are not allowed to like punch the other person (laughs) to get their attention or touch the listener or do anything physically like to touch the person but they can they can do gestures or anything like that and then as soon as they're both done with the story the listener says what they remember and what's interesting is you learn that you need to pay attention to what the other the storytellers need to pay attention to what the other storyteller is doing.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Because if the other storyteller is like trying to um, get in the face of the other person then you don't want to do that too, like you want to be different. So you want to be like, you want, you might want to whisper, you might want to repeat something or like change your tonality um, or crouch down, like you want to do, varying things to get the listener. Get your signal through, yeah. Yes, yes. And so, um, and then the listener tells you what they remember and why. So you're training all three people are learning how to read the room in that exercise. Like the listeners, like here's what I remembered and why, yeah. and the storytellers are learning how to read the room as well, like how do I capture the attention of the listener and how do I, okay. um, how can I be different than the other people?
0: Now, do you, are there specific things that you look for when you're doing, like, let's say you're doing a class and you're telling mm-hmm. a story to, to people in a class. Mm-hmm. What kind of things are signals to you that like, this is hitting or it's tanking or, yeah, <laughs> you know, because, yeah. and there's always like that person that looks like they need a brand muffin, but they're just, that's just their face, or and they
1: just or, ate too many bran muffins, or,
0: or whatever. They're just in, like they're in a mood, but like the, to me, it's like I can see that they're making a face, and I'll stop it. Like, what's what's the deal? Mm-hmm. And some, maybe they're just having a bad day. Like that happens too.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you you need to. I mean, you need to pay attention to everybody. Like, I mean, I think you know, watching for for eye contact, watching for body language. Like, our are people you know, taking out their phones, you know, and are they are they on their phone while you're doing yeah. your training? Like, not, that's not a good sign, you know, um, usually, like, unless there's something you've unless asked you them, them to. to. Do, yeah. yeah, unless there's something you've asked them to research or do it, then typically that's not the best sign in the world, you know. Um, and I think, you know, are they interacting with each other if you want them to? Um to do that um i think you know how are they sitting in their chairs like are they you know drifting off and slouching are they like up and interacting and smiling with each other and and things like that i mean they they give you a lot of clues without like actually saying you know they yeah. like it or not um and i think i think as as a facilitator or a coach you know, um, or a presenter, like changing up content is important. Like having that ability to be agile yeah. in the moment and, and change things because I think people's attention spans these days are, are not, um, <laughs> they don't have
0: yeah, people's long... attention spans are, what what?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> sorry, um, my phone.
1: Yeah. Sorry, my phone <laughs> and my cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my other put them in song. your bag. Yeah. So I think thinking about it in like little mini jolts, you know, like what can you do with your content to constantly switch the dynamic, you know? Okay. And I think that's what people are used to. So can you, you know, make people pair up, you know, for two minutes here and then go pair with a different person, you know, or change change the group so for me when I when I facilitate I I like to think of it almost like I'm the conductor of an orchestra like throughout the day yeah and um when I'm putting together my content you know I'm thinking about it in that way like you know in the beginning everybody's playing together but then you know and maybe there's you know Something quiet, and then we're building up, and there's something loud, but then there needs to be time for reflection and something soft. And like, so there's the pace that goes fast, and there's like, there's things that are, you know, higher energy and lower energy, but also there's exercises where there's a pair, yeah, you know, and then there's like four people playing their instrument together, and then there's like a small group and a large group and so if you think about it that way like to have a beautiful quote unquote piece of music in the end yeah you know and have people pay attention the whole time what you can do is like if you're constantly changing that dynamic you know and watching yeah you know then you keep their interest the whole time you know okay
0: Now, do you find that your energy level like the energy you're putting into the room kind of fluctuates throughout the day and and if so how conscious are are you of that happening
1: so i'm super conscious of my energy level like if i one thing you learn in improv is about the um, relationship dynamics and power dynamics in the room okay um so um energy is a big thing but even body position is a big thing so like if i um want people to have an open, equalized, dynamic discussion um, and feel free to discuss hard things, then I might take a seat and have everybody and sit with the group. Okay. And that way, there's there's I'm signaling to the group that I'm part of them and that we can have an open discussion so my body language matches their body language. Okay. Um and that's something you learn in improv about like these like status dynamics. And then if I want to signal to them that I'm the expert and they're the learner, then I will stand or I'll um I'll change the dynamic where I'm quote unquote taller, which is hard since I'm short than them you know, so I will take a spot in the room. I climb of, up on my, my I, stand. I, is I hang from the fan
0: <laughs> um, in the
1: room and I twirl around and then they know I'm a nutcase. Um, so like I'll, I might stand at the front of the room or in a different okay. place to kind of signal the body language is like we're shifting yeah. where the focus should be. And then if I want to learn from them, right, like lead from the back or like they're, um, they're the expert and I want to learn from them. I may sit and let them lead. And so the, let the body language shift so that they teach me something and then let their body language show that they're in charge. And so I make myself if possible, smaller than I already am. Um, and so that's another thing you learn in improv is like paying attention to how your body language signals different dynamics just like theirs does. And so yeah. it's this constant awareness dance that you need to be paying attention to. They're constantly sending you signals just like you're constantly sending them signals.
0: Okay. Yeah, I have a, I have a, it's a little bit different than that, but I have a thing happen sometimes in the afternoon. When, you know, like after lunch, it's sort of the end of the day and they're tired. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just suddenly be like, man, I am really amped up. Like what the, like, I'm just like, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and then I realize, like, oh, I'm like this. Cause they're like half dead.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. But I
0: don't even, I don't even like, I, I catch it after I've, it's happened. It's more like mm-hmm. reflexive, I think now than anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. No, Which, it's true. I mean, I think there's the food coma that happens yeah. after the, you know, turkey sandwiches come in after lunch. And it's like, what do you do to, you know, make sure that they don't pass out um, for the rest of the training? Yeah. I flick water at them. That's great. That's, <laughs> I highly suggest if no other ways work.
0: Flick, like, hey, wake up, man. Yeah.
1: Flick water is really... <laughs> Really the respectful. My, very it's a respectful. safe
0: space. I can flick water at whoever I want.
1: Yes, water flicking is number one <laughs> on my list. Um, number two, I like Lacroix. Um, I like it to be a little bit sticky too, because then they remember you <laughs> yes. when you leave. The
0: Pamplemousse one.
1: Y- yes, Pamplemousse, <laughs> because you know why say pomegranate when you can say. P- Or grape, or is it grapefruit? Who knows? It's grapefruit. I mean, it should be pomegranate, pomegranate, but you know what? They're going to remember you either way because they're so their face is so sticky at the end.
0: So all right, I'm going to take it in a slightly serious and appropriate direction. Well, that's
1: annoying. I was. I
0: know, but it's sort of a yes and, but kind of. (laughs) So I, I have a thing happen. There used to be somebody at a job I had that they would send people, salespeople with me, and they would keep a running list of all the incredibly inappropriate things I would say in class. Really, and just
1: you, nobody else? Just me, just because I We're, used to
0: say some really weird stuff. Really, and
1: that's surprising.
0: I know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, but I got to this point where it's like pretty reined in. But wow. I still have stuff happen where, like, you know, you were talking about the choices you make.
1: Yes. And
0: I'm looking at the room and I'm thinking, okay, and I can, it's, it's like I'm watching this thing, like, come down the road at me. There's, like, a sign of something and I'm thinking, don't say that, don't say that, don't right. say that. And then it's out of my mouth.
1: And then, oops.
0: No, it's not oops. I do it on purpose oh, because I'm trying to, like, make a point. There. And there is I a can't. lot of stuff I do, like, you know, the flicking water thing. I don't actually do. I will try it with the sticky stuff, though. Maybe Sprite. Let me know how that sprite. goes. Sprite. Hot Sprite. Maybe I'll heat hot, up some Sprite.
1: Hot Sprite. That's...
0: <laughs> I'll get a squirt up. Anyway, there's hot things sprite. that I Can... say and do that are wrong, and I do it on purpose because I expect that if I do something like that, it's going to mm. stick. Mm.
1: Stick just like hot Sprite.
0: Yeah. yeah, But, it'll like, you know, why don't we say that we're grooming? Like, I'm pretty – blunt about why we don't say grooming anymore and Mm -hmm. i want people to remember that that was weird and uncomfortable That when we talked about that in class
1: (laughs) oh so um so so you're just trying to like start a fight is what you're saying
0: well maybe more shock them into having a moment that they'll remember
1: i go oh okay and so are you should are you suggesting that um that I should also do that no
0: no I was just asking your opinion about stuff like that do you have anything like I'm, I'm sure that you don't do anything that wrong but do you have anything no. you're more respectful
1: yeah um I'm not really of a hot sprite type of girl
0: um <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's how I'm going to introduce you next summer at the here's Jesse, the hot sprite, sprite
1: girl ty- yeah <laughs> um
0: Hey, You look yeah. like you need a hot spike. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Um, well, yeah, I kind of, I think I rated in pretty well, so I, I don't know. I try to, I try to be, um, less shocking than you, Dave, I think.
0: <laughs> well, what do you do to stamp the moment? That That's kind of what I'm after. Like what, if there's you, a thing that you have to have this stick, like this, this point, I need this to be in their brains, regardless of what they forget from this talk or this class, this has to stay.
1: Well, I think that's why I do so many exercises that use the whole brain. Okay. And that are not like passive, like why I'm constantly doing things that are like, get up and do this thing. Like, you know, like why I'm not just like, sitting at the front of the room with you know 500 slides and a deck and 85 <laughs> yeah and hot sprite and you know bullet points that make your eyes bleed like i'm yeah. i'm like let's learn this by actually doing it the whole time okay. and that stuff stems like tends to stick longer i think um because you learned by doing versus by somebody telling you the okay. thing is in my experience
0: um so and that and i guess that also allows them more freedom to choose the moments that they that stick for them it's not
1: exactly it's not
0: like me impo- Like I, the thing that that is most offensive to me about me doing that is that it's like brute force
1: Right. I'm glad you said it. And I didn't have to tell you that that was, <laughs> I'm glad you figured it out before. we. No, I would recording. be okay. I,
0: I mean, if you, if you said that to me, I would, I would be appreciative of the feedback anyway, because it but is, it's, it's more, not, yeah. it's not fair.
1: It's not. And it's really more effective that you figured it out yourself that I, than
0: I Oh, look at you weaving <laughs> it right into the conversation. Bam. Look at that! It's like hot um, sprite to the face.
1: It's, you got some hot virtual hot sprite right, right in your face. That's called karma, hot sprite right there. <laughs> <laughs> How that feel? That was
0: that was good. That was like a little masterclass moment there.
1: Yeah, you know that's why Florida. they pay me the big bucks.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so maybe oh I'll try God. to stop doing that.
1: Yeah, you said it. I did.
0: Okay. So I have, I have one more big question for you.
1: I can't wait. Does it have to do with hot Coke? No. <laughs> Thank God.
0: I teach in Atlanta a lot. I can't make fun of Coca-Cola. Okay, good. Don't. Um, so I, I am working with a guy and I'm trying to help him with some of the stuff he's doing when he's teaching. And mm-hmm. he has a really rich background that's full of great stories. Okay. And I know that about him. But great. sometimes when he tries to sell stories, It's like, you know, like that joke I sent you before. before It's like this guy walks in with the duck on his head, you know, and it's just like there's no, Mm -hmm. there's no meat. There's no no point at which he's connecting the person he's telling the story to, to the person he's telling the story. About. There's no like emotional tie there. And I was yeah. trying to like, we we're me and a couple of people were trying to help him. Like, we don't care about this guy. Make us care about this guy. And i finally, I was just like, go listen to like every episode of the moth and you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, when you're telling stories, what, what kind of things do you try to like, what are the ingredients you try to include to make sure that it is something people can connect to?
1: Well, I think, um, again, you want to have like stories that have, um, an emotional pull, right. Those highs and lows, but a way you could, um, tell your friend to like have your friend practice, or if you get like a bunch of buddies together, like there's a couple of fun games you could do that might be like good for laughs and like give him some practice. Um, that come to mind that I like to do with um, people when I'm working with them.
0: Okay.
1: Um, there's one called um, one phrase, five ways. And um, what you could do is um, you could get a couple of you together at work. It'd just be you and him either way. And you could get like a phrase um, like, you know, Hey, did you just hit me in the face with hot Sprite? <laughs> and then, um, and then, he would say it a different way, but he can't change the words, but he can cha- he has to just change the way somebody would um, feel about the way that he said it without changing- So
0: like the- intonation?
1: Exactly. Okay. Right. So, hey, did you just hit me in the face with hot Sprite? Like, what's another way you could say that that would make somebody- respond differently without changing the words at all. And you do it five different times in five different ways without changing the words at all. Okay. Um, and you, if you're in person, you can practice it by like, um, saying it differently, but also like the distance, your body language.
0: Oh, um, okay.
1: Yeah. Tonality, all those things change the way somebody feels about the delivery.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and then, then you could give them another phrase and do the same thing, you know? Um, so I don't know. You want to practice it for fun? Sure. Okay. Let's get a new phrase just because I don't want people to be so overwhelmed by so much hot Sprite in one episode. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um how about, uh, let's see. Did you have a good weekend? So You want to say it a different way? Did you have a good weekend?
0: Uh, Did you have a good weekend?
1: Did you have a good weekend?
0: See, now I'm running out of ideas. Um, Keep going. I know. I'm trying to think here. How do I want to say it? Did you have a good weekend?
1: Did you have a good weekend?
0: So this is hard.
1: It is hard. It is hard. It's, it's hard.
0: hard it's I mean it's easy to go for anger and easy to go for lighthearted but it's the grays in the middle that are confusing. Mhm. Okay. So that would take a lot of practice.
1: Yeah, so you practice that. Um and you just keep practicing using that muscle, right? Okay. Um and it's it's good practice and then you once you start practicing that, then that should tie into starting to work on your storytelling so as you're doing your storytelling you can have him start to tell your tell you the story and then you can call out different emotions so he can continue to say the same story but you can call out um you know paranoid and then see if he can change it and then he has to continue to do it paranoid till you then say Um, Oh, I've done that.
0: I've done that in in improv class. Yes,
1: exactly. And so it's just a really good way to start like practicing how to put emotion into storytelling when it's low risk. Okay. Yeah.
0: Now, do you gravitate towards being really specific with your stories or are you kind of generic like i'm trying to specific well like there's specific. all the people that go through toastmasters that tell the story of like oh and then i wore the microphone lavalier microphone into the bathroom and everybody heard me pee and it's like yeah we, that's not real um but some people will tell a story and they'll get really specific about one point and it's like you're right there with them mm-hmm. like when i'm telling a story i want people to be with me in that moment and, and yeah
1: i think storytelling is about being specific so that people's brains, you know, have visual cues and okay. their emotions are tied into what you're saying. So if you're being too generic, you're not giving the other person a chance to be there with you, right? Because there's no hook for them. Yeah. So I think it is about being specific okay. and being detailed.
0: I think yeah. the way you said that is neat, giving the person a chance to be there with you. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. it's, I guess I, I've got a chance to my brain up because I'm always like, come with me, my story.
1: Um, my story, I pour good. a hot Sprite on your head.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Yes, exactly. But, but that inviting people and giving them freedom and giving them room, I mean, that's a big part of the improv thing too, though.
1: yes. Because yes. you
0: want them to have a choice.
1: Yes, it's all about choices, Dave, not
0: Shanghai um, people along for ride, the ride.
1: Right, right, not and not forcing them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that is some I mean that is that's an area that I don't think I see as clear or maybe until today was not as aware of as it should should be. Yeah. So, yeah. I appreciate you schooling me up.
1: <laughs> I'm here to school you whenever. <laughs>
0: So if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to do that?
1: They can contact me through my website, which is improveffect.com, or they can contact me via LinkedIn at Jesse or they can email me at Jesse at
0: Okay. And you have any, any new stuff coming up, any events you want to promote?
1: So I'm doing a team workshop coming up in a few weeks for Bureau of Digital. Your friend Carl's company. Yes, excellent. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then I was
0: actually just thinking while while we were doing this, you really need to do some stuff with those guys.
1: Yeah, they're no, awesome. great. Yeah, they really they are. Great. Yeah, and then um, and then I have some stuff going on like in companies internally. Okay. Um, to kind of end the year, so. That will be fun and then I can relax. Woohoo.
0: Cool. And they'll all be listed on your on your site. All your Yes, events. it'll
1: be all on the site. Okay. Exactly. Cool.
0: Well, thank you very much for doing this. And Thanks, schooling me again.
1: <laughs> Anytime. <laughs>